In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus famously says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. But then we have the words of St. Paul from today's second reading, saying that Christ abolished the law with its commandments and its legal claims. So what's going on here? Did Christ abolish the law or did he not abolish the law? And what law are they speaking of anyway? The law in question is the law established by the Old Covenant, the laws and commandments that governed the people of Israel in the Old Testament. What's confusing to many people is that Christians will continue to reference some laws from the Old Testament as being applicable, while regarding others as having no binding force. For example, Christians will say, Thou shalt not kill, but ignore the prohibition in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, You shall not eat the flesh of the pig. To make sense of this, we have to understand that there are different types of law in the Old Covenant. St. Thomas Aquinas grouped the various laws and commandments in the Hebrew Scriptures into three categories. First, the moral law. Second, the juridical law. And third, the ceremonial law. The moral laws are the eternally binding ethical commandments that God gives us as human beings, such as, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not commit adultery. The most basic moral laws are contained in the Ten Commandments. These laws are not and could not be changed by the new covenant because they concern evils that are incompatible with human flourishing in the first place. Indeed, the words of Jesus himself shows that after he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, then segues into showing how the new covenant amplifies rather than diminishes the core concerns of the moral commandments. He says, You have heard it said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Or similarly, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. The Old Testament prohibitions on murder and adultery were meant to contain the worst outward manifestations of anger and lust. But the law of Christ calls us to something higher, an inward transformation in which we overcome undue anger and lust in the first place, so as to live in a relationship of true charity with our neighbors. The Old Covenant also contained, as I said before, laws that are juridical or ceremonial in nature. And it is these that people struggle to reconcile in light of the new covenant. An example of a juridical law would be the commandment in Deuteronomy 22.8 that required a homeowner to have a parapet or railing around the outside of their roof so as to prevent people from falling off. Now, the reason for this law is that it was common for people in those days to go up on the roof of a house to socialize because the roof served as a kind of patio. Unlike moral laws, such juridical laws in the Bible are not specifically binding on us today as Christians, in that we recognize that they apply to the specific circumstances of the Jewish people at that time. 
Few homes today have rooftops that double as gathering places. Yet the juridical laws still contain important points of moral concern that are perennial valid, perennially valid. The requirement that the Jewish homeowner have a railing on the rooftop of his house points to the moral concern that a person maintain their property in such a way as to minimize danger to others. Other juridical laws deal with the punishments that are to be dealt out for violations of other laws. Again, the specific punishments, such as stoning or banishment, are not necessarily meant to be copied by Christians in the present day. But studying these punishments helps us to understand the relative severity that God attributed to the violation of his various laws. Finally, we have the ceremonial law that God gave to the Jews to govern the rituals and sacrifices of the Old Covenant. For example, the requirement of circumcision for males is a sign of entry into the covenant, or the various rules and requirements for celebrating the Passover feast, or the kosher dietary laws, or the rituals for the temple. It's these ceremonial laws that St. Paul is speaking of when he says that Jesus abolished the law and its legal commandments. Because the purpose that these laws served on the Old Covenant, which was the forbearance of God's judgment for sin, has been fulfilled by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Indeed, it would be a sin for Christians to observe the ceremonial commandments of the Old Law today because they have been specifically replaced by the sacraments of the New Covenant. I once had someone tell me that their Lenten discipline was going to be to observe the kosher dietary laws. I know another Christian who hired a rabbi to perform a Jewish rite of circumcision for his baby son. One cannot do these things as a Christian. It would be in contradiction to the gospel, which has freed us from these ceremonial observances so that we may live in the freedom of Christ. Now, just to be clear, that does not mean that one, for example, could not dine at a kosher restaurant or have your baby boy circumcised if that's what you chose. However, a Christian cannot do these things as a matter of religious observance, as if they were pleasing to the Lord or constituted obedience to his word. St. Paul specifically condemned Christians who tried to continue the religious observances of Judaism. This doesn't mean, however, that an understanding of even the ceremonial law of the Old Testament is irrelevant for us as Christians, because we must remember the words of St. Augustine, that the new covenant is prefigured in the old. The ritual law that governed the old covenant sheds light on the meaning and significance of the sacraments and rites of the new covenant. For example, circumcision prefigured baptism. Just as circumcision was a cutting away that drew blood as a sign of man's entry into the covenant, baptism in the new covenant is a washing away of original sin so as to be numbered among the church which is now the people of God. We can say in one sense that the Old Testament law in all of its forms, moral, juridical, and ceremonial, was meant for people living under the curse of original sin. It was meant to mitigate the worst excesses of sin and to allow the Jews to live in a semblance of charity to each other and obedience to God as they awaited the redemption of their Messiah. But now we, who live in the wake of Christ Jesus, are meant to live in a new and eternal covenant, a covenant sealed by the grace of the sacraments and fulfilled by the greatest commandment, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.